You're listening to the Pigskin Cafe, a podcast covering the wild world of college football. On tap for today are hot takes, controversy, and analysis on your favorite team. Pull up a seat and your host, Hampton Sipper, will be with you in three, two, one. And we are back. Welcome back into the Big Skin Cafe. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I will be your host this evening. And joining me tonight to recap another week of college football, college football week nine, is the correspondent at large himself, Graham Haney. Graham, we ready to get it rock and rolling tonight? Hey, Hampton, I'm like a, uh, a 70s rock band. I'm getting it, and uh, it's time to go. <laughs> I'm getting it. It's time to go. Well, that does um, pretty much um, accurately describe most 70s rock bands. So good little tie in there. And good memories for sure. Good memories. Good memories for sure. Um, Before we get started, a couple housekeeping items. Number one, if you hear any viewer discretion is advised, viewer discretion is advised. If you hear any outbursts, if you hear any yelling, it's because the Atlanta Braves are in the World Series. It is currently, at the time of this recording, top of the six. The Braves are up six to nothing. So keep that in mind as you're listening. Now, our other piece of housekeeping. Let's go to our Play Action Pools leaderboard. Shout out to our sponsor, Play Action Pools, for doing a wonderful job each and every week hosting our college football and NFL pick And Graham, you have a little company this week, my friend. Kyle Edwards has rejoined yeah. the ranks at number one with 66 points. So you and him are tied at the top of the leaderboard. I'm right behind you at 58 points. And low, or no, not Logan. Our boy Suave, Woj Suave, is at number four, or tied with me in third. And then right behind him is Sam Gilmer with 56 points. Man, we're getting down to the wire in college football, and NFL's rolling right along almost at the halfway point. So it's getting tight in our pick man, but uh, it's been fun each and every week competing against y'all, um, you know, my fellow co-hosts and our listeners. So uh, go give Play Action Pools a follow and support all the great work they're doing. Now, let's get into talking a little bit about college football week nine, Graham. I'm going to start off with a few little recaps, a little takeaways that I had. Um, I believe the best game I saw this weekend was in East Lansing, Michigan. The battle for Paul Bunyan's axe, Michigan State versus the Michigan Wolverines. What a game. What a game. Michigan jumped out to a 30-14 to lead about halfway through the third quarter. I thought it was over. Cade McNamara was really explosive, really efficient on the day, was able to push the ball vertically down the field. They were able to run it pretty well. Andrell Anthony, that freshman receiver they have, was making plays, uh, going up for touchdowns, making contested catches. But then Sparty came roaring back, and they won 37-33. to And my takeaway from this game, Mel Tucker, give him the coach of the year right now. What an absolutely incredible job by him to take that program that was really, after Mark D'Antonio had lifted it 
to heights that had never been. The end of his tenure was not great, and the program um, was in the valley. And Mel Tucker has done a miraculous job in two years to get that program back to where it was and maybe even elevated a little bit. And he's done that by really the transfer portal. I mean, Kenneth Walker, transfer from Wake Forest. Um, Ronald Williams is a DB transfer from Alabama. He has three other transfers from Power 5 schools on that defense. And he's just done a wonderful job of retooling um, retooling that team, building a culture there. And not only is he a great culture builder, but he's a great X's and O's coach um, from his time in the NFL, from his time at Alabama and Georgia. So great win by them. Heartbreaking defeat by Michigan. I'm telling you, man, Michigan had that game won, but they got a little too cute. They tried to play and platoon both quarterbacks when Cade McNamara was clearly balling. And honestly, if they hadn't have taken him out um, at one juncture in the game, they probably would have won. So I came away more impressed with both teams. I came more impressed, came away more impressed with Sparty. But uh, both teams put on a great show, did really well, and uh, hats off to Michigan State for that comeback victory. My other takeaway of the weekend, Dan Mullen, turn up the heaters. It's, it's always recruiting season. And you're on the hot seat, my friend. Another embarrassing loss by Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators program. Florida competed with Georgia in the first half, played about as well in the first half as they could possibly hope other than scoring points. And then they just proceeded to, I mean, puke all over themselves in the final two minutes of the game. Or not in the game, the first half. I mean, Anthony Richardson had a fumble. Then he had a pick. Then he had another pick six. It was just an abysmal effort by uh, Florida. And Dane Mullen didn't make it any better when yesterday he gets up to the podium and they ask him about recruiting. And he said, it's not recruiting season right now. We'll talk about that in the offseason. How out of touch are you, Dane Mullen? I mean, what an absurd answer by him. A guy who is known to make some outlandish statements to the press. That might take the cake. Uh, but, I, you know, Florida didn't play very well, but they did almost outgain Georgia. They were only outgained by one yard against Georgia. And my main takeaway, Graham, from this game, I'm telling you, Georgia's defense is elite. There's no doubt about it. But they have not played an offense that can threaten them. The best offense they're going to play all year, especially an offense that can throw the ball vertically down the field, spread them out, and test them in space, it's the Tennessee Volunteers, and no offense to Tennessee, but when that's the best offense that you have faced all year, there's a there's an issue. And I think that not, I'm not saying Tennessee is going to beat them, but when Georgia gets in the playoff and they get against steeper level competition, more potent offenses, I don't believe their offense is built to go blow for blow right now. Stetson Bennett is not going to be able to put up 45 points in a shootout. I'm not sure JT Daniels will be either. From what I've heard, still a little injured. Um, throwing mechanics a little bit messed up due to injuries in the spring. And I believe that their offense is going to be the downfall of them. So my takeaway mainly from that game is Georgia is very, very vulnerable. And Florida has a lot to fix. And Dan Mullen better have a strong end to the season or he may be 
out in Gainesville, and that will be another head coaching um, opening this offseason. Now, Graham, I want to get your thoughts on these two games and your takeaways from the weekend, but I want to kind of transition into this macro-level view of college football because we tonight, Tuesday night, we had our first college football rankings come out. I'm going to read them off to you, and then I want to ask you what do you think the committee got right and what you thought the committee got wrong. So here are the rankings for you, okay? Let's, Let's hear them. Let's hear them. Um, number one, we had the Georgia Bulldogs. Number surprise, two, surprise. the Alabama Crimson Tide. Number three, a team that I talked about at the top of the show, the Michigan State Spartans. Number four, a little bit surprising, the Oregon Ducks. Number five, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Number six, Cincinnati. Number seven, Michigan. Number eight, Oklahoma. Number nine, Wake Forest. And number 10, Notre Dame. Graham, what do you make of this list, man? What did the committee get right, and what did they get wrong? Yeah, it, it's interesting to always see their perspective of things because I definitely I definitely didn't expect Alabama to be at number two. Like I, I can make the argument that Alabama is probably the second best team in the country right now behind Georgia, but just based off of uh, you know the loss to A and M, the way that some of these other teams are playing, um, and their resumes, you know, I was surprised they didn't give the nod to someone else at number two, but I'm not like shocked by that. But I, I will say this: to me, if you take out Alabama at two, it seems like all of their ranking is due solely off the resume and not off mm-hmm. of you know w- what you see and the you know the highlight reel and uh, the eye test is what they call it. And when you look at it, Michigan State, I, they I would say they deserve to be in there. They have had some quality wins. They're undefeated, you know, fairly good on offense and beat a good Michigan team this past week. Um, and the you know college football playoff committee you know, respects Michigan keeping them at number seven with a loss. Um, but at three, at excuse me, at four and five, you have Oregon and Ohio State. And yes, Oregon did win the head-to-head matchup there, but Oregon hasn't really been playing good football the past few weeks. They've they really just they've really just been eking by. Mm-hmm. And for a they did beat Colorado handily. Just want to throw that in. Great. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Since we're all afraid of uh, Colorado, um, you know, let's just say this. Whenever A&M was playing like garbage at the beginning of the year, they beat Colorado. So, you know, so be it. But, you know, to me, you know, Oklahoma had a really good game on Saturday. They really ran the score up on Texas Tech with, you know, weird coaching decisions there. Um, But we're not going to get into that. And so to me, for them to have Oklahoma at eight was very surprising. I, I think Oklahoma is in should be in the conversation of uh, the mix. They're undefeated. Uh, they're you know coming down to the wire, but will have a good chance of being uh, the Big Twelve champions. Uh, at least you know have a chance of making that game, um, the championship game. But uh, then the last thing is Cincinnati at six. I, I think that. You know, from all the media speculation and the media hype, this was going to be the year that the Group of Five team made it into uh, 
you know, the playoff. And what it shows me now is that Cincinnati is not controlling their own destiny. They can't just win out and make the playoff. They have to have other teams lose, uh, like, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, Oregon, Ohio State. They have to have some of those teams lose so they can get in the conversation. Um, and I, I think there will even be a, a case that, you know, Oklahoma and Wake Forest could end up passing Cincinnati if they end up undefeated and maybe conference champions. That, you know, this group of five team in Cincinnati uh, gets not overlooked, but they get, uh, you know, jumped over when the rankings come out at the end of the season. Um, and Cincinnati has a good chance of ending up undefeated. So um, this probably isn't going to be the year of the group of five team. And uh, for the small school guys like uh, Hampton, like me and you graduating from uh, Troy University, you got to appreciate the group of five teams because you know that there's still a good fan base there. There's still a lot of effort put mm-hmm. in there. Um, and they're not that I'm saying there's an extreme bias towards the major conferences, but I, I respect Cincinnati. I think they can play with a lot of teams. I don't know if they could weather the you know, full conference schedule of some of uh, you know the oh, SEC no. or the well. They, honestly, they probably win the ACC if we're not you know, if we're just being honest. Um, <laughs> probably, I, they, they probably. probably they probably come in second in the Pac-12. But anyway, I, I think that you know my thoughts was that this was going to be the year that they put Cincinnati in. They had a really good year last year, end up losing to Georgia last game of the season. Um, then this year. Uh, you know they're undefeated, beat Notre Dame, so they have a, at least one quality win, and you know it just hadn't been their year. But um, so it, it's just tough to see. But you know it's always interesting how the college football playoff committee ranks things because they it's just different whenever you get a bunch of people in the room and you start having conversations. And so mm-hmm. especially when they're all over the place because they're people from around the country coming to tell you who the best team in in the country is. That's always tough to do. But, uh, Hampton, I want to go back to some of the games you talked about, uh, and then we move along. I know I've been talking for a while. Um, Florida. Yeah, wouldn't you be quiet? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, well, Hampton, I- I'll say this. I'll let you have I'm your run. buddy. Hey, I'm I didn't – I'm, I'm not saying I would have interrupted you, but I'll I let you go on. And it's only me and you, Hampton, so we get our time to talk. Oh, absolutely, uh, buddy. <laughs> I'm just picking. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so anyway, I'll start with Florida and Georgia just because I don't really have a whole lot to say about that. If you take away the you know the last two minutes of the first quarter, that's a really close game. It's three to nothing, ten to nothing going at halftime, and it the last two minutes couldn't have gone worse if you're Florida. Um, I, I think that you know that really was the end of the game for them. They lost all air uh, that they had that was keeping them afloat, um, and then you know. So Georgia, I think, is really good. Florida, they, they kind of they came to fight, and then mm-hmm. once they got knocked in the mouth, uh, going into you know going into halftime, they were they were they were KO, they were done. Um, and you know, to me, I, I think the the big question um, that needs to be addressed if you're Florida, I know we talked about AR, you know, fifteen and uh, mm-hmm. Emory Jones. I don't think either of them are start, uh, SEC starting quality quarterbacks. Uh, Anthony Richardson wasn't very impressed with me. Emory Jones was more efficient, but he limits you on upside. Um, and then Dan Mullen on recruiting. I I don't think I don't wouldn't necessarily say that the seat's getting hot. I just think that the uh, the music is starting to play and the carousel mm-hmm. is starting to spin. Hey, uh, and so you know 
maybe he's going to start looking for other options. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Can I can I interject really quick just to add sure. to your point about AR fifteen and Emory? Mm-hmm. I think on Saturday you saw AR fifteen has immense upside, immense raw talent, but as far as the quarterback position, making checks, sliding protection, reading hot, identifying blitzes, all that stuff that. Which Georgia will give you a lot of. Georgia, Georgia's gonna, mm-hmm. Georgia doesn't just show you what they're going to run. They shift the, the defensive line a lot, which I really like, because that, that just confuses everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then their coverages, I mean, yes, they have phenomenal athletes, but they run good coverages. And so absolutely. They're, they're but hard he to couldn't predict. handle it. Oh, yeah. He couldn't absolutely. handle it. And that's why I think Emory was starting over him, purely because Emory was better – better and more experienced with that type of stuff than AR-15. I think you saw that on Saturday. Continue, my friend. I was just wanted to um, add to that point. Yeah, it, it, I think that, you know, Florida had such a, a good year last year, and you had to replace their whole offense. So you, you have to expect, you know, to, to it not to be as good as it was last year. But I think that the quarterback play – in my opinion, has just really gone downhill. In the in the fact that Dan Mullen's supposed to be a good quarterback coach, that he's had good quarterbacks in the past, and you know has made them look better than they should have. Um, but you know now with you know, the way that Florida's going, they match up with South Carolina this weekend, Hampton, and both of those teams are four and four. Wow, which wow. is which is crazy. Uh, I, I think that. Uh, you know, Florida has two wins in the SEC, maybe, and that uh, South Carolina has one, or it might be it might be the opposite. Either way, I, I think they're both four and four heading heading into this matchup. Which, uh, if you're a Florida fan, you got to be really disappointed in mm-hmm. uh, because you know South Carolina's barely eking by Vanderbilt, and so uh, that is that is definitely something to keep an eye on. I definitely don't think that Florida fans are you know content with where they are. I definitely think stuff has to change. Um, but I, I, I mean, you, you might disagree with me. I don't necessarily, I don't think that the, the seat is getting hot for Dan Mullen, but I think the pressure is mounting all around him that if he doesn't, then stuff is going to happen. You know, I think they're going to give him an opportunity to make changes before they fire him. Um, or I think he leaves. I, I don't think that, I don't think everything stays intact. He doesn't run it back the same way he did this year. I don't, definitely don't think that's how it happens. Um, but uh, that that's just my thoughts on it. And then uh, going to Michigan State, Michigan. I mean, the only thing I gotta say is uh, Kenneth Walker can ball. That is a dang good mm-hmm. running back. He is. I mean, th- he transferred from Wake Forest. So Kenneth Walker's a blessing. Like he, he's a blessing, and not even a curse. I mean, he's just a blessing. Like even when he leaves, you do good. Like Wake Forest. He leaves Wake Forest, transfers out, and Wake Forest is now undefeated. He transfers to Michigan State, and now they're undefeated, and he's absolutely balling and is making his name uh, in the in the Heisman conversation and is uh, most likely going to get himself a chair in New York City. Um, and so he, the guy is, is really good, and that offense you know, truly does revolve around him. And, uh, you know, you can just tell. Like, the, the guy's just – just special. He's he's the big guy, but he also has that breakaway speed, and uh, that is always a good combination. Um, 
disappointing to see Jim Harbaugh lose another close one. Um, you know, it, it's it, talk about a hot seat. It's going to be interesting to see what Michigan does. What what is the trajectory of their uh, you know future going to be? Are they okay with just being good, or are they trying to be great? Because mm-hmm. uh, if you if you're going to be great, you got to be Michigan State. You got to beat Ohio State, and uh, Jim Harbaugh. He can't. He hasn't beat Ohio State, and he struggles very much to beat Michigan State. So, absolutely, um, I, and, and I feel like that's kind of a shame to the like the Sparty team. Like I think they're good, but I hate to say that the conversation has turned into more of you know Michigan lost the game. What's happening to Michigan? Instead of saying Mel Tucker has put a good team out on the field for Michigan State, and uh, you know this could be their year in the Big Ten. So, yeah, Hampton, go ahead. This is what I have to say about Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. That phone's ringing and it's calling. <laughs> One more time. I'm telling you, LSU watched that game Saturday and they thought that's our guy. Mel mm-hmm. Tucker is our guy. I hope that song came through. I thought of that impromptu, thought it was pretty good. Um, but, uh, yeah, great win by Michigan State. I'm, I'm with you, Graham. I think it may be their year in the Big Ten, but they've also got a tough stretch coming up. Yes, still have to play Ohio State. Still have to play Penn State. That's going to be really tough. My final takeaway from the college football ranking or college football playoff ranking, I don't believe Cincinnati's the top four team. And the reason is, I know they beat Notre Dame, but they have not played well in the past three or four weeks. They, um, I've got their schedule pulled up right here. Neither has Oregon. Ne- I mean, Oregon had neither, but they do have the head-to-head over Ohio State. Mm. And if it comes down to a one-loss Oregon with a Pac-12 championship and Ohio State with a Big Ten championship, it's going to be interesting to see how they determine that. But as of right now, I think it's the right move having – um, Ohio State ranked behind Oregon, 100%. Uh, but, I mean, Cincinnati struggled with Navy. They struggled with Tulane. And, you know, when you have the kind of schedule that they have, you got to dominate your teams. you got to blow every team out. You've got to make a statement. I don't think they've done that. And that's going to hurt them in the long run. On Oklahoma, it's a similar thing. If they – you know, if they win out and they win their championship, if they win the Big 12 championship, they'll be in the playoff. But right now, they've struggled in about five of the eight games they played, winning by, you know, a score, a couple scores or less. I mean, they almost lost to Kansas, man. Kansas. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame them for being eight. I don't think they're a top four team right now. I believe they're, you know, a top ascending offense with Caleb Williams. Um, at the helm, but even then, you know, I mean, they're not, they're not playing any defenses out there. So kind of leery of them. I don't really have an issue with that. Alabama, number two, I think Alabama's top two to three team in the country. Um, but I'm not going to get that outrage over anything. It's early. We've got a whole month of November for things to shake up and I can't wait to see how it all shakes out, Mr. Graham. So how about we go ahead that this is the only thing I'll say. Last thing I'll say: uh, the top four, top six of the you know playoff you know rankings, they're never the same as they start. So come never you know, week twelve, come uh, championship week, 
things are going to be different. It's just going to be interesting to, interesting to see uh, which teams fall and which teams rise. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, Graham. Absolutely, man. And speaking of looking ahead, well, before we look ahead, let's reflect and give me your player of the week for college football week nine. Uh, who really stood out to you this week, Graham? Hampton, I don't even have to work hard to do this. I mentioned his name, and he's all Dang I had it. to talk about. Kenneth Walker is really good at football. Um, it's In Michigan State, that is his world, and we're just living in it. Uh, the guy ran for 197 yards, so almost two bills a yard, you know, 200 yards, and five touchdowns. Wow. wow. I mean, the guy scored 30 points on his own. Uh, that's almost enough to beat Michigan. So uh, Kenneth Walker is uh, he, he deserves it. If there was a you know Pigskin Cafe podcast uh, trophy we could give away, he he earned it this week. Hey Graham, we can make that happen, brother. We can make <laughs> that happen. We can give them. We can give them like the uh, the the uh, the Pigskin Cafe bowl um, bowl of the week or whatever. You know, the, yeah. like you get the the main entree. The hot commodity, absolutely, <laughs> and I'm with you on that, man. Kenneth Walker is a baller. Not only um, is he a physical runner, but he showed incredible vision, wiggle, um, and just tenacity in that game against Michigan. Really impressed by him. And I, I saw, um, I was listening to a, a program, and they said, like, I believe he got most of his yards on four or five carries, which is incredible to think about because he had a lot of, um, very explosive mm. runs, which is which is really cool. Um, but my player of the week, really quick, is going to be Caleb Williams from Oklahoma. I know they played Texas Tech, who inexplicably fired their head coach, who was five and three um, to start the year. That didn't make any sense to me. But he went twenty three of thirty for four hundred two yards and six touchdowns. Um, just absolutely lit it up. I think he's an ascending player. He's going to be a household name for a while in college football. Um, so I, Caleb Williams gets my player of the week, Graham. And with that, let's move in to week 10 of college football predictions. We'll start with Alabama LSU. Uh, really quick, Graham, do you think Alabama um, are the, you know, I'm not even going to ask you if they're going to win. I'm going to ask you, do you think they even cover? Because <laughs> uh, that's the main question to me. What's the spread? I'm not even sure what the spread it's like is. like 28 and a half. 28 and a half. Um, I, I, I'm going to say no, but I think it'd be really close. Like, not a close game, but I think Alabama gets, you know, wins by 24 or something, 24, 27. Um, so I don't necessarily think they cover, but I definitely think it's still a blowout win. Um, Edo and his uh, – press conference i think it was maybe this week uh it was. just gave like uh, yep. alabama the game plan <laughs> like what i mean kudos for the guy for being honest and he had he doesn't have nothing left to hide i mean he's he's gone at the end of the day anyway but uh there were two predictable on first down two predictable uh you know in same formations on defense they run the same things you know they don't show any disguises so uh if you're alabama you know you know you're gonna they're gonna throw some wrinkles at you but uh I think that Ed O kind of gave you a little bit of a – he gave you something to chew on. I'll I tell you that. If you're uh, if you're Nick Saban – You uh, talking about chew on that, Graham? Chew on that. <laughs> hey, he was just – he was trying to – he was giving the super salad on uh, like appetizer, 
just to see if you were interested in the main entree. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think Alabama wins pretty handily. I think that uh, you know, Alabama coming off a of bye week is uh, something to be reckoned with for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the defense uh, will, will not play f- fantastic, but I think they'll be a whole lot better prepared um, against this LSU team, which is predictable. They struggle to um, they, they they usually they're usually just you know they only can do one part of uh, you know their offense. They can either run the ball or they can throw the ball. They can't really do either in uh, in many of the games they've showed. So um, if you're Alabama, uh, you just got to limit them to one side and. Uh, you know, you usually be successful. I think LSU's got the talent, but uh, I just don't know if they have that direction, you know. And so mm-hmm. I think that that I think that hurts them um, in the end because what's going to happen when they, you know, when they get punched in the mouth? You know, they have no reason to respond because there's nobody, you know, there's nobody back there pushing them to get back into it. It's you know, mm-hmm. once they get hit, they're they're going to be down for the count because they don't have they don't have a dog in the fight yeah. anymore. Yeah, I'll, I'll listen to your thoughts, Hampton. But like I said, I think Alabama wins, you know, 24, 27 points, something like that. I think it's a pretty big spread, um, but I think Alabama wins mightily. My thoughts are quick, Graham. LSU's missing around half their team due to injury. Uh, I mean, their starting defense right now is a joke. Uh, Ed Orgeron told the press last week they did not have enough players to scrimmage or even practice last week. I believe Alabama rolls in this one, 45 to 13. Bryce Young has another big day. The return of Drew Sanders is something that we need to watch. Uh, the other outside linebacker, opposite of Will Anderson, and I believe Alabama is going to come out and make a statement. I'm predicting a score of 45, no, nay, 52 to 13. Alabama rolls in this one. Now, quickly, next game we've got Tennessee. At Kentucky, to me, this is a sneaky good matchup, Graham, and one with Kentucky coming off a loss to Mississippi State. It's not a gimme for Kentucky. What do you got in this one really quick, man? I'm going with Kentucky to bounce back. I think Mississippi State was kind of a tough matchup for them, just their their offense with, uh, you know, Mike Leach. You either know how to defend it or you don't, and – Kentucky just showed that they didn't, and they weren't. Com- they didn't really come to play. I think Kentucky uh, bounces back, but I think this is a really close game. I'll take Kentucky by a field goal late. I like it, and I want to pick Kentucky. I'm going to pick Kentucky because we've been with them all year. They disappointed mm-hmm. us last week. I mean, Will Rogers, he honestly probably should have been my player of the week. He went mm-hmm. 36 of 39 for like 400 yards and a few touchdowns, played really, really well. But I think Kentucky's going to bounce back, man. Even though Tennessee is coming off a bye week, I think that is an important thing to note. And their offense has been explosive all year. I think Kentucky with Chris Rodriguez, Cavassier Smoke, the formula we have talked about ad nauseum Mm -hmm. is going to win this game. Give me Kentucky by a touchdown late. Now, marquee game of the weekend, final game we're going to predict. Auburn. Coming off a win against Ole Miss, which I let me set the record straight on this for um, everyone listening out there. I think what Auburn beating Ole Miss was impressive, but guys, let's keep this in mind because this is getting lost by Auburn fans who are now saying, "Oh, you know, we're coming. We're a top ten team." The Ole Miss team they played on Saturday night was a shell 
of themselves. And you say, Hampton, why is that? Well, let me tell you why, audience. Number one, Matt Crowell hurts his ankle early in the game. It's a different ankle than the one he had already sprained against Tennessee. So both ankles were bum, or he had two bum ankles that came back in the game, played all right, but wasn't really mobile. That's number one. Number two, their offensive line, the interior of their line, they had injuries, so they didn't have their starters there. That caused them not to be able to run the ball as effectively as they're accustomed to. So that's another thing. The third thing, Ole Miss's top three receivers were out. Their leading receiver against Auburn was a walk-on. So Freddie Freeman just hit a home run. Let's go, baby. Um, sorry about that, guys, but it had to be had to go out there. Um, but it, it, it's okay. Like the Braves winning the World Series is a once in a lifetime moment. Once in a lifetime moment, baby. Seven nothing. Chop on. Let's go. All right. Now back to the football conversation. Their leading receiver was a walk on. So Auburn wasn't really contending with the full potent Matt Corral, Lane Kiffin attack. I give you credit for winning, but I'm not going to go berserk over a victory when the team that you beat was a shell of themselves. So, with all that context, Graham, they're traveling to Texas A&M this weekend, who's coming off a bye. The Aggies beat Alabama, and since then, they have looked really impressive in the two or three games they've played since then. Now, granted, the level of competition wasn't great, but they've still went out and handled their business. Do you think the Aggies make that home victory a thing again? They beat both Alabama teams in their home stadium, or do you think Auburn continues their momentum and rides high, um, you know, and probably sh- setting up a showdown going into the Iron Bowl? Yeah, it's it's the game you know the game to watch this week for sure, and I think it comes down to uh, Zach Calzada. If he plays good, A and M wins. If he plays bad, A and M loses. Simple as that. I think that Auburn uh, is a good team, but I don't think that they have all the pieces to you know be a championship contender. Um, you know, I, I think that what you saw out of Auburn whenever they played Georgia was fairly you know you know, really their biggest test and they, uh, they didn't pass. And so I don't, you know, dislike Auburn, you know, I think, like I said, I think they're a good team, but I, I think that coming off a of bye week that Zach Calzada will be prepared. Uh, Jimbo Fisher and this A&M team, um, will be ready to go. And, uh, Kyle field, um, will be real rocking. And, uh, that's a tough place to play with, you know, hundred and, 10,000 people or however many people uh, can fit in, in that uh, in that stadium. And uh, so I think Auburn is uh, going to have a tough matchup in this one. It is, uh, you know, the two kind of systems that they run are both similar. They, uh, you know, are kind of multiple. They'll line up and try and, you know, you know, run the ball, you know, hit you in the mouth. They'll spread it out some. They'll do a little bit of all of it. Um, it like I said, I think if Zach Calzada plays well, that A&M will win. And I hate to just say that that's the you know, key of the game, but I think you kind of know what you're going to get out of Auburn. I don't think that they're going to put 60 points on you, but they're also not going to you know go out and fluke and get shut out. I think that ever since Georgia State, they've been able to uh, you know at least be somewhat consistent in their play, um, you know, 
taking back you know the great Georgia defense. So I'll take A and M at home. Um, I think it'll be by uh, a touchdown to ten points. Um, and so yeah, I'll, I'll take A and M coming off a of bye week to uh, to handle Auburn. Um, in a, a fairly close game. Hampton, uh, what do you think? Uh, I know that Jimbo Fisher said that uh, you know that they really needed that bye week for just like the mental, you know, a mental break out of everything. Um, what kind of mental aspect do you think goes into a game like this with uh, an Auburn team that has, you know, played fairly well, has, you know, two not very good games on their schedule where they lost to Penn State, lost to Georgia, and then uh, a te- Texas A&M team that's been playing well recently, start off rough and has uh, bounced back, and as uh, they've reflected that in the rankings. It's 13-14 uh, and 14, Matchup Auburn is thirteen and A and M's fourteen, so should be a good game. What are you thinking? Absolutely, Graham. I agree with a lot of your analysis to this game. The thing about the mindset that you were talking about, I wholeheartedly believe Auburn is going into this game very confident. They're riding high, got a little bit of a win streak going on. Bo Nix has played arguably the best two to three game stretch of his career. Uh, played well against Ole Miss. Played well against Arkansas. Now, granted. Those two teams don't have good defenses. I'm not diminishing what he did. I'm just putting that in context. They're not they're not elite defenses by any stretch of the imagination. But Mike Bobo's put a good plan around him. They're utilizing the tight end. They're running the ball, um, u- utilizing different personnel groupings. So they're riding high. They're feeling confident. But I believe the Aggies are going to win this football game. I think Jimbo's done, you know, as much as we gave him crap early in the year – He's done a good job turning around this football team. Calzada's playing confident. Uh, they're running the ball much better with Spiller and A-Chain. I think, honestly, some of those injuries were a blessing in disguise as they were able to insert some of those younger guys um, into the OL lineup, and they got more upside, mm-hmm. you know, um, and they got, um, you know, they were able to run the ball more, were able to protect Calzada more, gave him time to throw. And they really hadn't been the same O-line since that bye week. And on defense, you know, I'm talking about Auburn not facing um, good defenses with Arkansas and Ole Miss. I believe the defensive line of McKinley Jackson and DeMarvin Leal um, and the other guys that they have on that team, Clemens, um, they're going to give Auburn fits. Um, I don't think Auburn's going to be able to run the ball that effectively. I believe Bo Nix is going to be a little more sporadic, a little more trying to play with outside the system instead of within the system, panic a little bit. Um, I think he's going to make some mistakes, and I believe the Aggies are going to win this football game. They're going to keep riding high, and I think um, there's a good shot that they don't lose a game the rest of the year unless Ole Miss gets healthy which is a big if because right now they're pretty banged up. So mm-hmm. give me the Aggies. I'm thinking to win 31 to 24. Um, so Jimbo's going to get um, get those boys up for that game. Um, and Brian Harson's done a good job with that Auburn program. That's what I was about to ask year. you, Hampton. Yeah. Um, no, what what was the question you were going to ask? No, I, I, what I was, I was gonna, thinking about him. Yeah, I mean – I. I think he is. He's, he has to be in the conversation for SEC Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. I mean, because when you like Auburn has played well, and you, when you look at the talent on that team outside of you know Bo Nix and Tank Bigsby and 
Smoke Monday and Owen Papo. Like, there's not much, you know, I'm not going to say they're not talented, but they're, they're not, they're not as talented as uh, a team with that record, you know, would reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ooh. I think that goes to show that, like, the coaching aspect of that, too. I mean, just when you look at it, like, AM is more talented than Auburn is, but Brian Harson does a good job of getting his players, you know, out there ready to play. And, and they've played, you know, fairly well on defense without Papo being there for several weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point. I think, you know, they got Smoke Monday, Papo. So Kobe McLean's been really good for them. Chandler. That's right. I forgot about him. Um, the Wooden, there's Wooden and Wooten have been good. TD Moultrie has been good. Um, offensively, you know, Sean Shivers, Bigsby, and um, Jarquez Hunter, the freshman running back that they brought in, have been good. The tight ends that they um, have been utilizing a little more in the passing game. Um, I think he's maximized what he has. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I mean, Auburn fans act like Gus – left them a talentless roster. And I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah. Um, I think that's, you know, not fair to Gus. I mean, two years ago, Auburn beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. They had a really good year with a freshman, Bo Nix, at quarterback. Now, they mm-hmm. lost a lot of receiver. Um, there's no denying that. Um, you know, last year with Seth Williams and Shivers and uh, Elijah Stove leaving, uh, leaving the program. But um, I think he's done a good job. Um, you know, like I said, building that culture. No, absolutely. But also, they've been a little fortunate with their schedule as far as like, all right, they played Arkansas when Arkansas was coming off a three-game run of playing Texas A&M, then Georgia, then um, who else did they play? Texas A&M, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Ole Miss. Yeah. And that Ole Miss game, I mean, so you got them on the tail end of a tough run. You got Ole Miss on the tail end of a tough run. Um, you know, LSU's down this year, but they came back and took advantage. Like, I, I give them credit for that road victory because they showed great resilience, and I give them credit for the other victories. I just think it's a mix of a good coaching job by him along with some scheduling matchups that really um, kind of favored them and bolstered uh, their chances this year. But I'll tell you this, Graham, as an Alabama fan, if they beat A&M, my stomach is going to be in knots because that Iron Bowl is not going to be fun because we know when both teams are in contention and that game's in Jordan-Hare usually does not go well for the Tide. So, mm-hmm. gig them. I'm, you know, I know I'm, I'm being unbiased here. Hey, I'm telling you that wide open. Gig them. And um, I hope Auburn loses because if not, <laughs> it's, going to be, it's going to be a tough Iron Bowl. But with that, Graham, Great question by you, man. Uh, great that we were kind of thinking on the same wavelength there, but I wanted to give a mention uh, to the job that uh, Mr. Harson is doing down on the Plains in Auburn. Before we get out of here, give me your upset alert of the week really quickly, and then we can go watch our Braves clinch a World Series, baby. Come on. You better not jinx it, Hampton, or I will I will say something. Okay, that's my, fine. My Fair. upset of the week is uh, I, don't, I really don't think it's crazy. Um, but I do think it could definitely happen. Um, Oklahoma State's coming off a big win against Kansas, but the week before that, they sustained their first loss of the season uh, against Iowa State. And Hampton, there was a team that played Iowa State this past weekend and handled them. 
and that was West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Give me the fighting Neil Browns of West Virginia over the uh, number 11th ranked Oklahoma State in Morgantown. So they're playing in West Virginia. I think that uh, in Tennessee right now, it's sort of cold. So I know in Morgantown, West Virginia, it's probably cold. So uh, give me West Virginia to upset the number 11th ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys who uh, have some momentum on them but have shown their weaknesses. So I just got to go off the matchup. Give me West Virginia at home. Hampton, you got an upset of the week. Who who are you keeping an eye on this week? Uh, you know, for the overs and the unders and the the spreads this week. Well, Graham, I like your pick a lot. I think there's a good chance, a high likelihood of that happening. Neil Brown kind of getting it rolling down or up in Morgantown, not down in Morgantown. <laughs> Morgantown's above me, um, where I'm at and where you're at as well. So yep. like that pick a lot. Here's my pick. Liberty Ooh. is going to beat Ole Miss. All right, okay. think about this. Let me okay. set the stage. Hugh Freeze revenge game, baby. Okay, mm-hmm. Ole Miss stumped them like, um, like you know, they were his ex girlfriend. They did him wrong, even though he did himself wrong. Let's yeah. not, let's not. Uh, he definitely deserved. He definitely earned. He definitely that deserved one. it. But he got thrown. <laughs> you know, he got thrown under the bus and all yeah. that. He's at Liberty. Revenge game for him. Malik Willis, arguably, in my opinion, he is the top quarterback in the 2022 draft. Very I would talented. take him over Matt Corral, immensely talented. I know Auburn fans wish they had him on their roster um, with as well as he's played all year. And Ole Miss is banged up, like I mentioned um, earlier, with Auburn beating them. I wasn't trying to discredit what Auburn did, but that's something that we need to keep in mind. And going into this game, you know, Ole Miss coming off a loss, little banged up. It's at Liberty, I believe. Um, or is it at Liberty? No, it's in, it's in Oxford. It's in Oxford? Okay. Mm-hmm. The, th- uh, the CBS Sports, I'm blaming them for being misleading. Uh, so it's in Oxford, but still, I think the Flames are going to burn it down in Oxford. They're going to come okay. out with a victory. They're 10-point dogs. I like them to win by three to seven points. That that's a good pick. Do you, do you think that Hugh Freeze goes to the wrong sideline whenever he's coming out on the field, just Man, like for old times' sake? You know what I'd love, Graham. I'd love for him to like had to do that, um, like coach from the press box <laughs> from the hospital bed, like he did last year. I'd pay good money for that. You know, like he stubbed his toe or that's something, o- so he's got to be up there. That oh, was boy, a jock. That was honestly the oddest thing i've ever seen in college football like if you if you have to be stuck in a hospital bed like just stay home like (laughs) like that was last year but still that's such a strange just just weird um yeah but no i I like the upset pick i think you know it you know old miss is no doubt you know more talented than liberty is but liberty uh is coming off a, a few tough losses this year you know some unexpected some expected um, but they're you know, coming off of last year where they had a really good season, and they've got Malik Willis, who is a uh, you know a first round quarterback, who uh, you know has the talent to lead this team. If he uh, you know if he's able to carry him to a victory, that will uh, there will be some upset fans in Oxford to know that Hugh if Hugh Freeze came and knocked off uh, his uh, former team. You couldn't write a better script, and talk mm. you know talking about. 
College football is the only place where you can get a coach coaching from a hospital bed. <laughs> it's the only place where Dan yeah. Bowen, where a coach says recruit, it's not recruiting season. Mm-hmm. And it's the only place where an assistant coach from Texas and his strip <laughs> stripper girlfriend <laughs> have a monkey bite a kid on Halloween. What, what, <laughs> what, what's her nickname, Hampton? I, 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 I heard it, but it's, it's so funny. But I can't remember what it I, was. You know, I don't. I almost don't even feel comfortable saying it. But, but her her nickname is the Pole Assassin. The pole Assassin. <laughs> That's right. She she is very renowned, apparently, by people. Um, who are well versed in that industry? Uh, she uh, made an appearance on Jerry Springer, mm-hmm. and um, she's very revered by many. So, um, yeah, Jeff Banks, um, I, you got a lot to sink your teeth into, man. Just like that monkey sank his teeth in <laughs> that kid's forearm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could go on about that saga. I was howling last night following that. Um, you know, all the way down the wire. But you know what I want to follow now, Graham? What you keeping up with? The Braves going into the top of the eighth inning, up seven nothing, baby. Yes, sir. Let's wrap it on up, guys. Sorry for the abbreviated show, but we have to go watch our Braves win a World Series. But we thank you so much for joining us tonight and each and every week here on the Pigskin Cafe. Graham, thank you, as always, for joining me, my friend. Pleasure talking college football with you, as always. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast, and be sure to follow us on social media for up-to-date information on when our pods are releasing, polls that we have going out, potential giveaways, chances to be a guest picker on the show, um, you know, a lot of good stuff on our social media platforms. So be sure to go check us out at the Pigskin Cafe on Instagram and on Twitter. And, you know, be sure to go watch the Braves win because that's what we're about to do. And we will be back tomorrow night, Lord willing, recapping another week of NFL football, a wonky week of NFL football. But the Pigskin Cafe is closing its doors for now. But until next time, chew on that and chop on, baby. Let's go Braves. Let's go Braves.